Welcome to Gapology Radio with your hosts, Mark Tinas and Brian Brockhoff, authors of the leadership development books, Gapology, Imbar, and Speed of Purpose. At Gapology, our purpose is to help leaders achieve their greatest potential. To learn more about our groundbreaking books and training services, visit our website, gapology.org. Hey everybody, welcome to Gapology Radio. As you're laying out your plans for this year, make sure that you're being strategic about leadership development for your teams. From those high-performing individual contributors to those emerging leaders and all the way up through the ranks, any people leader on your team will benefit greatly from Gapology. We have our set of flagship books, an audible version of Gapology, and our virtual e-learning course on udemy.com. Add all of that to the blogs on our website and this podcast show, and we really have something for everybody. And if you'd like us to lead a workshop or even just provide some guidance on implementing some of our offerings, feel free to reach out. Our email is contact at gapology.org. And of course, you can always reach out to us through social media. And all the information around all these things can be found on our website, gapology.org. And as for tonight, we thought we'd kick off this eighth season of the show with a little history lesson for some fun. So let's go ahead and jump right in with Mark Tinas, the original Gapologist himself. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? Good, Brian. How are you? I'm good. Happy New Year to you. Same to you. Yeah, as we're recording this, it is now 2024. And, you know, I know listeners are going to be listening, you know, 10, 20 years down the road. So, you know, looking back in time, it's... uh, it's now 2024 and, you know, we don't know what's ahead. So, you know, there might be some crazy stuff ahead. Well, there's always crazy stuff ahead, <laughs> but we know that Gapology can overcome crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, the the craziest thing was preparing to talk about Gapology tonight. It was looking back. It's It's mm-hmm. been, a, been quite a while and quite a journey. Yeah, it totally is. You know, this is a, a little bit different podcast for our listeners out there. You know, typically we really focus in on specific things that that people are facing in the real world out there. And one of the questions we get oftentimes is where did Gapology come from? It's such a unique name. And the process, while simple to, you know, see on the surface, to really dig in and actually apply it, there's a lot of complexity there. And so a lot of people want to know, you know, how did you come up with this? Where did it come from? And so forth. So, so you know, we really thought what a great time as we start to head into the future to take a few minutes and look to the past and see where did this all come from? How did it, uh, you know, appear in our lives? How did we pull this all together, put the book together and that kind of thing? And I thought we would uh, start at the very beginning. What do you think? Yeah, I, no, I think that would be great. And and just to let the group know, the the other thing you and I have agreed upon is that 100 years from now, we believe that Gapology will be known by everyone. Absolutely. Yep. It's just, a, it's just our, you know, our own lack of marketing skill that, that isn't already here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in fact... Uh, Somebody once told us that Gapology is a universal truth. And I really do believe that. It, you know, any place that there are leaders and followers, any sort of business, any industry, Gapology fits because it's all about human nature, communication, and that type of thing. So I remember that day vividly. Yeah. So I was teaching a group of lawyers in Denver, Gapology. And right, near the end right. of the session, one of the lawyers jumped out of his chair and began dancing around the room and screaming, it's a universal truth. 
<laughs> and pretty soon people joined in yeah. and it was just this harmonious thing that I never thought I would see in my <laughs> lifetime. Right. But you know what? He was right. He was right. Yeah. I, I vividly remember you telling me that. It's it, it is so true. So why don't we uh why don't we jump back about, oh, I don't know what, two thousand what? 20, 20 years ago. Yeah. 20, 20 years ago. Okay. That, that's a good round number. Yeah. So as my career developed in retail, I was a retail guy. I uh, got promoted about 20 years ago to a big position and I had 330 stores approximately, 330 retail stores. The incredible thing about that was that it was a laboratory to look at results and really learn how results are achieved. So the 300 plus stores had the same product. They had the same customer. They had the same advertising each week. We ran an ad every week, 52 weeks a year. Yet their results were quite different. So taking over 300 plus stores, I had an incredible curiosity about why some of the stores were winning and why some of the stores were not. So I analyzed the results and split them into groups. I had the A group, which is the upper 10% in results. And I looked at the results that they were accountable for. Uh, the stuff you can, you can think of, sales, profit, customer, retention, et cetera. Uh, so I called the top 10% the A group. And I called the bottom 10% the C group. And that meant that the B group, the middle 80%, was you know somewhere in the middle. The crazy thing that occurred to me, which I hadn't thought of before, was that the incredible performance of the A group, that top 10%, was being wiped out by the C group, the bottom 10%. So we all became B. And I was obsessed with being a top performer and not being B. So I had to figure out how we were winning in the top 10% and how we were not winning in that bottom 10%. Yeah, I think that is one of the incredible learnings. Um, you know, so often we do, you know, focus just on one of those groups. And we don't really think about the fact that, you know, that bottom group, they are canceling out all those amazing results being driven by our top performers. Yeah, cancel is the right word. It cancels yeah. it out. Right. And we become B. The 300 stores were over 20 states. So that incorporated a lot of travel. So every week I would travel to a different market. And what I would do is I would go spend time in the A group stores and the C group stores. I wouldn't spend a lot of time in the B. I wanted to understand the difference between the A and the C to try and figure out what we could do. The first thing that hit me was the incredible similarities in the A group. So I fly to Minneapolis, and then next week I fly to Houston, and the A group are very similar. They don't know each other. They've never talked before. They didn't go to school together. They have different backgrounds. Uh, but the A group in Minnesota and the a group in Houston, using those as examples, were very similar. And where they were similar is they had taught their teams 
what to do, how to do it, why it mattered, and when it must be done. And that seemed to create an action in the teams. So they seem to be operating from the same the same playbook. And I hadn't expected that. I didn't think that would happen. But it energized me because the thought that the A group was onto something that we could share with others was incredibly energizing. Yeah, I think it's so amazing how, first of all, number one, how powerful curiosity can be. When you said that, you know, winning was a curiosity, that you're curious how that happened, how the, why the A players were the A players, you know, all that. Um, I think leaders out there really do need to spend time being curious. Just take a step back, look at your business and think and ask yourself the questions and then get out there and start investigating. I think there's a lot of power there. Yeah. So you're bringing up a great point. So every week we had a different ad, as I mentioned earlier. So everybody had the same ad and we sent out a set of instructions on Thursday before the ad ran on Sunday on how to execute the ad, what to do. So the A group and the C group got the same memo, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. So, <laughs> so everybody had the same set of instructions, but for some reason, the A group team knew what to do, how to do it, why it mattered, when it must be done. And that that created that action in the team. So it was pretty, pretty interesting that it it almost appeared that the A group got a different memo than the than the C group. Mm -hmm. So I would show up in a market in an A group store and often not even announce that I was there. I would just come in as a customer and see how it felt and understand what was going on and what the focus was. I would do that same thing in the A group and the C group. And it was, it was quite enlightening. I then started interviewing the leaders. So I would tell them who I was and shake hands, introduce myself, and then talk to the leaders about why their results were so exceptional in the A group or why in the C group they were missing the result expectations. And it became again very clear that the A group knew what to do and how to do it, why it mattered, when it's got to be done, and they took action. And in general, the C group, the team did not know. Mm -hmm. I would find often a cashier the lowest level role in a, in a store, a cashier in an A group store that knew more than the leaders potentially in the C group. <laughs> and that was, it was wow. just crazy. <laughs> that was just shocking to me. Yeah. And it, uh, it was energizing though, mm -hmm. because I knew we could overcome it. Mm -hmm. And I knew that the A group had, figured it out. You know, they had figured out how to create the right action and uh, the C group had not. And uh, I was on to something big. Now, again, this was after months of travel and months of interviewing and documenting the interviews, but it all started to come together. And uh, I, I was thinking, you know, I'm on to something. And 
And during that time, the overall division was able to achieve achieve company leading results already. And now we were about to figure out how to just blow it away. Mm -hmm. So, so Mark, can I ask a question? So what do you think drove those A leaders? Because it feels like, well, some leaders who want to be A are making these choices, have developed this on their own at that point. Um, What do you think drove them? I'm certainly the uh, publishing of the results was a big factor. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably liked seeing their name in lights at the top of the report. Uh, we publish the results each week. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume, though, they had a mentor that uh, had taught them some things that maybe others had not experienced, and likely their leader, you know, was exceptional and ensured that. Um, all of the pieces that needed to come together to have a successful week were were there. We mm-hmm. we really managed the business uh, week by week because we had a different ad every week. So we were able to look at it like an NFL game. You either win or lose each week, and you have 52 weeks a year. And that A group really figured that out, and they thrived on that. And somehow the C group was left behind. And it really wasn't, their issue was what I started to conclude. It was just our own leadership issue. Mm-hmm. And um, there's more to come on that. But the uh, it was clear that the C group didn't know what the A group knew. Right. And that also meant to me very quickly, even though I hadn't spent time with the B group, a lot of time with them, that they didn't know everything the, B group, the A group was doing. Mm-hmm. And that there was potential here to spread the wealth. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of what I was picturing is that, is that it was probably the, the, the district leader, um, you know, the person that was over the, the stores, their leadership was probably be being emulated, um, you know, by some of those a players, you know, if they're setting a, a good example, um, I was picturing that's probably one of the the things. Did you see a lot of differences between markets that were A and markets that were C and in the behaviors of those district leaders? Yes. But the interesting thing was that in every market, I could find A's. And in every market, I could find C's. I, I and, and they'd all received the same direction. Again, to recap, they had the same product. Mm -hmm. They had the same customer. They had the same ad every week and they had the same direction on that ad. So they, they could have executed on their own with that. So it, uh, it was, it was eye opening. Yeah. Interesting. um, Yeah. Yeah. And there, there were, there were A's and C's in every market, Mm -hmm. in every market. The uh, the greatest market uh, in our in our world was the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, and uh, that's where I met Brian. By the way, <laughs> yeah, the hometown. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. So, how did you go then from observing, so documenting all this, lo- looking at all the data, looking at you know what those patterns were that emerged? Um, how did you put it all together then? 
Well, one of the one of the behaviors I had was that every every evening after visiting uh, the stores, I would I would try and you know wind down and document my findings and try and understand it. And a pattern emerged, and and that was that the what to do and how to do it, which was present in the A group, was clearly a knowledge gap that was closed by by those leaders. So I started seeing this uh, this knowledge gap piece emerge as being massive in terms of determining execution. If you have a knowledge gap, you will not achieve the results you're you're expecting. I then saw the uh, the why it mattered and the when it must be done as the importance gap. I could see this 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 other gap emerge that was also big. And if you have an importance gap, you're not going to achieve the results. And then I saw the action as sort of the outcome of those two. And if you have an action gap, you know, picture this. Someone knows what to do, how to do it. They know why it matters. They know when it must be done. And that team member doesn't do it. That's, that's a performance issue. That's, so that's totally different. So it, it just started to emerge. This is this K-I-N-A. And this was before the car company, I think, existed. Yeah. <laughs> but if you Probably. want to remember it today, it's K-I-N-A. It's, it's the knowledge gap, importance gap, gap, and action gap. They are sequential. They are dependent upon each other. And it suddenly was there in the notes in my journal one night. And I started teaching it. So rather than going out and observing it, I started teaching it. And oh my God, that's when it all it all started to come together. And I I started calling it gapology because I didn't know what else to call it. And it just seemed to fit. Close the knowledge gap, close the importance gap, close the action gap, and wow, mm -hmm. the results happened. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it yeah. it it all it all came together. Yeah. Well, that is one of the questions that I get a lot is, is, uh, you know, where did the name come from? And it is a bit of a science. So if you look at the process, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, analyzing results, analyzing behaviors, and then developing action plans from that. Um, there is a bit of a science there. Certainly there's an art to it, but the process itself can be very scientific. Yeah. And, um, I just started teaching it everywhere. So I would go to the same markets, lots and lots of markets. And instead of going out and observing stores, I would pull groups together and teach them gapology everywhere I went. Mm -hmm. Flip chart. Do you remember that, Brian? <laughs> I was Did literally I sitting here. Your store? Yeah, I was literally sitting here picturing the first time I saw those three circles. And uh, it, yeah, it wasn't in my store. It was in a, one of the neighboring suburb stores. And I picture... Sitting, I was probably maybe three rows back and going, oh my gosh, this gives me a focus. And where I, you know, I, I think I was a good leader, but I was a good leader because, um, you know, I, I wanted to be a good leader. I wanted to, to provide good, um, you know, leadership to the team and deliver good results and all that. But seeing this made me great because it gave me a clear step-by-step -step process to lead, develop, and grow my team. And um, I mean, that I, I remember the day very vividly. I remember what I did right after the session. I drove back to my store, 
incognito, walked my store, and I began implementing Gapology right there. And it, and it changed my life. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So what I what I started doing was going to the C group and teaching teaching them Gapology to see what could happen. Can winning be taught? You know, is that A group just, uh, you know, somehow born with it in their genes or can we can we teach it to everyone and the incredible thing that happened was when i when i started teaching the c group market by market by market gapology some of the c group became a mm-hmm. they became a yeah and we might have given up on them or fired them but they were a when they had gapology they got it and um most of them became B, by the way. They, they moved up to, into that B group. Um, but our, our overall results just soared. Yeah. And um, we were number one in the company week by week for every week for five or seven years straight. I lost track. We were, we were always the top. The other amazing thing is that the A group got better. So I would teach mm-hmm. Gapology to the A group. They would say, oh, my God, we've never seen that before because it was like a formalized process for them. And suddenly they knew what they were doing and they leveraged it and they got better. So the A group actually moved up. And um, so the crazy thing is somehow we had discovered a process that works every time. It works everywhere. You can teach it to, you know, anybody. And um, we, were, we were just on a roll. And it was, it was incredible. And there was no book. The book, the book right. hadn't been written yet. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> and uh, we were just like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. this is crazy. And uh, we've got we to tell everybody about it. So. Mm-hmm. So where did where did the root solutions piece come from? So um, I know the the gaps were the biggest discovery, and then from that, how did you come up with the root solutions? Where did those come from? Yeah. So in the documentation of what the A group did uh, under the knowledge gap, I recorded all of the methods from the interviews that they talked about. And I determined that the top methods to close the knowledge gap were training, teaching, and talent. And those were incredibly rock solid as the top three. I wanted to limit it to three. Um, So the A group uh, would train their team and understood the importance of that. Uh, They were relentless in that. Leaders were teachers. They viewed themselves as teachers, which was crazy, and it it worked. They spent all day teaching, and they ensured that they hired talented people so that they could effectively teach and train. So that closed the knowledge gap. In the importance gap, they set clear expectations so the team knew what was expected, how they were measured. That was huge. Uh, they communicated clearly. They didn't over-communicate. They communicated clearly. So when they communicated, it was on purpose. Uh, 
and they were clear on prioritization. So uh, expectations, communication, and prioritization were the root solutions that closed the uh, importance gap. And uh, the action gap just was closed often by those, but they had accountability. So if someone didn't do their job, despite knowing what to do and how to do it, when it had to be done and why it mattered, um, they were a performance issue. They knew that. They had a commitment that the leader ex- the leader showed. You'd see in the C group, the, the leader walked by a customer. In the A group, they would never do that. Mm-hmm. They would help the customer. They modeled a behavior. And um, it all it all really started uh, to come together, and they created a, a a culture of action. And those became the root solutions. So knowledge was training, teaching, and talent. The importance gap was closed with expectations, communication, and prioritization, and the action gap was closed with accountability, commitment, and and culture. And wow. We had the chapters of a book all laid out right there. And many years later, those haven't changed. No, really, that's the foundation of Gapology. So everything from that has been built. And that is, you said it, rock solid. And all the tools, all the uh, activities, uh, all the methods that we teach, everything is built from that. And, And, you know, I think it's just incredible, Mark, how just from your observing, from really from your curiosity and then the documentation of all that and the analysis and all that hard work that you did up front, put together something that is so rock solid that everything else, you know, can be built from it. The other beauty of of all this is just being able to take a step back and say, okay, so this can be actually taught to any organization, any team that has leaders and followers that have a team it this this works every time yeah we haven't seen an example where it doesn't work um some of the other things that we learned right right then were that the leader owns the k and the i Mm -hmm. the leader owns the knowledge gap and the importance gap they've got to close those gaps and it was real common in the c a group for the leader to blame the team for lack of knowledge or yeah. lack of understanding of the importance. Mm-hmm. And, di- you know, like, hey, we, we, we went over that. We went over that. <laughs> it, yeah. It's their issue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in the A group, they fully understood that they own that knowledge gap, gap and importance gap. And, uh, they worked to close it, and they didn't. They didn't let up until it was till it was closed. And they in the A group, they they understood that action then was a choice by the team. And if somebody didn't want to didn't want to perform, they were an underperformer, and they they couldn't make the team. And so the contrast between the A group and the C group was incredible in terms of the ownership of the knowledge gap and importance gap. Mm-hmm. We learned so much from from that. And so I, I wear a sweatshirt. You've seen it, uh, Brian. Mm. That says "Gap," and oh, yeah. it's it's you know it's mm. just my way of understanding. Anytime I want to understand where the gap is, just look in the mirror because it's always the leader. 
Right. So when there's a gap, just you know, just go look. It's it's you. Mm-hmm. The other thing that emerged from this, which was incredible, was a pattern of behavior in the A group that we uh, we call the habit ladder, and it was a way to achieve habit uh, in a team. And uh, there's five steps, and they are communication of a process or whatever it might be that you're you're trying to achieve, and that's generally where most of the teams would stop, but the A group continued from communication to verifying understanding. Yeah, you have to know that the knowledge gap's closed, Mm -hmm. that the importance gap's closed, that they understand that. Uh, It then goes on to agreement, asking for agreement to execute it. It then goes on to an incredibly critical step, which is practice and feedback, and then practice and feedback and practice and feedback until you become great at something and that leads to habit and it's 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 incredible so if any of you have not uh, understood or executed the habit ladder go for it it's it's how you want to design all training all rollouts if every training and development team in the world would would simply use that it's the the flow and formation of the training that you need for whatever you're doing. So, yeah, the habit ladder is, uh, I would say of all the things in our book, the number one, most remembered, commented on applied tools in our whole book. We've got several different, um, tools that have made big impacts on people, but I would say that is the primary one that most people really, really attach to. And for, for everyone on the, on the podcast tonight, to understand at this point, we still haven't written the book yet. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so I'll tell you how that happened. So our, our business took off. We were a dominant force in the industry. We were, uh, you know, tops in the company by far. And the head of retail approached me and said, you got to write, write a book on this. And I said, no, I'm not going to write a book. And I have time. He said, no, you got to write a book. I said, okay. And I'd, I'd come to know Brian, and he was part of my team in uh, Twin Cities. And I knew he was a very talented graphic designer and writer. Um, at one point, I think it was 08, he had a little bit of time on his hands. And I reached out for him, and uh, we came together and put together a book called Gapology. Yeah. And uh, I, Again, a hundred years from now, you're going to hear more about it than you do today. I'm sure you'll all be around, mm-hmm. and it's it's incredible. And he and his wife Joe recorded the Audible version, by the way, and they did an amazing yeah. job. It's incredible, <laughs> and I hear about that every day. And uh, so we uh, we put together a book called Gapology, and just so. Um, those of you on the call know the industries where it's already rolled out and worked incredibly, they would be as follows. Retail, it goes nuts in retail. That's where we found it, and it certainly works there. It's uh, it's the foundation of the operation of the largest store count retailer in America. They announced that recently, but retail is a no-brainer. It works in restaurants. 
our first big client was Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't mind sharing that. And we, it just went crazy there. It works in hotels. Uh, it works in banking. It works in finance. It works in real estate. It works in academia. We were, we were shocked one year by the uh, teacher of the year in the state of Kansas. When asked why he was teacher of the year, he referenced gapology in the classroom as being one of his key tactics. That was, that was pretty awesome. It works in manufacturing. It works in construction. It works in sales. It works in trucking. Brian remind me it works in women in trucking. That's right. Which was an event he uh, mm-hmm. he hosted. It works in nursing. It works in high tech. Um, we uh, we were able to take it to Africa to Christian missionaries, and it was incredibly successful there. And um, so that's where it works. I, I need to warn them about where it doesn't work. Should I do that now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where doesn't it work? So if you if you point out the gaps in your spouse or in your partner, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we can assure you that's not a good idea. No, don't do that. So it does not, not work. Do <laughs> we don't think it works in relationships. I guess. <laughs> no, but it, other it work, than that, yeah, it works on it, your kids. It works kids, on the kids, sure. oh, yeah, but, the kid, but the kids benefit. But if you have a uh, a gap in your relationship, it's probably you. It's got to be. Look it's in the mirror. Yeah. You found the gap, and <laughs> and go for that one. Absolutely. But it's it's been you know just an incredible blessing, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, we um, we take great pride in in how many people that it's benefited, and the the career growth of the people that were with us when we, we did this has just been unbelievable. Um, we won't bore you, but a lot of the people that were with us in the early days have just had incredible careers and success. And again, built that foundation on Gapology. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's worth, uh, you know, sending a, a big thank you to all those people that took part in these interviews and, and the different, uh, you know, senior leaders that helped to you know, just help us grow helped us to learn those types of things as well. And I want to take a minute and just thank you for inviting me to be part of this as well. That I still remember the day that, that I got that phone call and I, I was like, why is Martinez calling me? It was weird. And then when you laid this out, what you wanted to do, I hung up the phone and immediately I, I turned to Joe and I said, this is going to be amazing. And, you know, so I, I thank you for involving me in this whole thing as well. I couldn't have done it without you. So you're, you're amazing. So thank you for being part of it. I appreciate that. Okay. Well, I think that brings everybody up to speed on where Gapology came from. And it's certainly a journey now. We are actually in our eighth season of the podcast, which is incredible. First season wasn't too much. We didn't do a whole lot. Uh, But, you know, we tried to do as much as we could, uh, you know, year after year. And now that we've been doing this, uh, you know, I'm excited for the future and to see where this uh, podcast continues to go. Yeah, me too. So, yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Thanks much. We'll talk to you later, Mark. All right. Talk to you then. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. That'll do it from here. For more information on all of our products and services, head on over to our website, Gapology.org. Everyone have a fantastic week. 
We'll talk to you soon. This has been a Gapology Institute production. Visit us at gapology.org.